Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss arguably the most powerful tool most of us have at our disposal, voting, and take a look at the problems with the Georgia primary and consider really whether those kinds of problems are isolated or really intentional malfeasance. If people are purposefully screwing with our vote or what combination of, of either of those things um, that is basically preventing people from being able to vote quickly, easily, and so forth. Uh, also, we'll take a look at some efforts being made to ensure more equal access to voting around the country, uh, some things to give us some, some reason for optimism. Joining me today is the trouble man at Disruption Now, Tunde Ogonlana. Tunde, are we still looking at taxes, death, and trouble as the only things that are for sure? Uh, yes. Trouble, <laughs> trouble being the one that's not often mentioned, but that's a good one. Yes, right. that's that. We, we, all, that. we all can get in a little bit of trouble here and there. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, we're recording this on June 15th, 2020, and we took note that, that as I said, Georgia had a primary last week, and there were many reports of issues that people were having just getting their vote count taken and, and, and counted and so forth. There were issues at the polls with the equipment and the lack of organization, or in some cases, just plain, just super long lines, or in some cases, the long lines were because of those other issues. Um, there were issues on the administrative side. You know, people were having issues with mail-in voting um, and also providing support to the polling locations, all mixed in together. It was not a, a well-oiled machine, to say the least. Um, these kinds of reports uh, with problems as far as administrating our vote are not unique. You know, this we see, we hear this from time to time, and they seem to be pretty common. You know, every time there's a big vote or there's a vote involving a lot of people, seem to be a hard time administrating the thing. Um, even though we know when they're going to happen, like they're not, it's not like these things come up out of nowhere. Uh, so, Tunde, what are your thoughts on the reports about the issues in Georgia? But also, more generally, if voting is so fundamental to our democracy, why is it more made of this? Good questions. Um... I would say that the second one is maybe where I'll start to answer why is it more made of this. Um, I, I think it's probably multifold, like many things in life. Part of it, I'm sure, is apathy on the on the part of many voters. Um, like this isn't this is boring stuff, and it's not really on a lot of people's radar. And, and to your point, we know when elections are, but they are far enough apart that you know we all, especially the national elections for president, every four years. You know, it's it's close enough, but it's far enough away that, you know, people kind of forget about it and they lose the energy after, you know, the election. If those who want to make change and not enough people, you know, the numbers aren't big enough for, to push these kind of, um, you know, reforms, I guess. Um, and so that's 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 where I think, um, you know, it's just a little bit of apathy. And then I think there's another side of it where, you know, unfortunately, there's there's a certain. Uh, a faction or, or probably uh, different groups out there that aren't necessarily, um, uh, you know, they're not necessarily linked together, but there are some people that have an interest of not having everyone participate for whatever reason that they have. You know, they, they don't want to see everybody with the right to vote. So I think when you put those two things together, um, then you, you get an issue, which is a systemic issue of, of, of voting uh, issues and the mm -hmm. issues surrounding elections in the United States, which um, I think when you really look at it and even preparing for this show and just doing some of the reading I did, um, I learned a lot. And, you know, again, I think we uh, 
tend to self-propagandize, uh, if that's even a word or a term, um, but <laughs> we, we do that to ourselves in, in saying how great we are uh, as a nation, uh, which I do agree we're a great nation, but I think, you know, we tend to think we're great at every single thing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, no, no one or no institution can be great at anything. And so you always want to try and get better at different things and, and, and look for in, inefficiencies and inconsistencies in whatever you're doing in life. And I think if we did that as a country, um, if we really looked hard, I think our election system itself is something that could be vastly improved um, to give that, ex you know, the right experience of voting to every single U.S. citizen and American who deserves it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my long-winded way of saying, yeah, we got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the Georgia issues, I thought, were, um, like, the thing that, that stood out the most to me about it is they seem to be just the normal issues that we have every time there's voting come up. You got, in certain areas, uh, oftentimes urban areas, urban areas where there's a lot of people, you have really long lines, um, which is the, the exact opposite in areas where there aren't a lot of people. Um, or areas that are more rural or whatever. And there's generally a correlation oftentimes um, in terms of the how those voters lean. And so that's where you get into issues of inequality where you know the voters who lean a certain direction oftentimes have to work much harder to vote. Um, I think that's a, a systemic issue, in which I know uh, you were going to speak on a bit. But also, uh, I think part of it is also from the voters, you know, part of the problem in that voting is a collective action but it's presented to us as an individual action. And what I mean by that is that we look at the vote as us making a selection, but our one vote is, is, is lost in a sea of a million votes or two million votes or five million votes or 50 million votes. And so it's easy to walk away from that just from looking at the numbers and say, well, my one vote doesn't matter. Um, but your one vote matters collectively with everybody else's one vote. And so if you, if you look at it more so as you plugging into the system and providing feedback to the system, not necessarily because your one vote is the tie-breaking vote, but because that's how the system works is with it, everybody provides the input, then it it's a different type of obligation, so to speak. It's not something where you're doing it so that you're going to cast the tie-breaking vote and you were, your vote was so important and everything like that. So I think because it's looked at it at, at like that sometimes where somebody says, oh, well, you know, there's going to be a thousand votes on this side and a thousand and, you know, 1,500 votes on that side. So why should I even show up? Um, that people don't value it enough. And, and so it's easy to talk yourself out of going to vote. So yes, there's that. And then as you pointed out, there are their interests, but there've always been interests that we're trying to make it so everybody couldn't vote for, for various reasons. You know, women couldn't vote for the longest time. Obviously people of color couldn't vote for the longest time um, by law. And now that law says everybody can vote over 18. That doesn't mean that those same people who, you know, like, well, the, the, the same ideology or the same thought processes that had people saying only only men could vote, only property owners could vote, only whoever else could vote. That type of mentality still exists. And But if everybody doesn't vote, then people who want to enact that are able to get more power because if everybody voted, those people wouldn't be in office. And so, you know, that's kind of the things that, you know, the way these things are all connected. Ultimately, though, again, this comes back to people. People have to demand better. Some of this is, I think, an entitlement issue, meaning... People, the people whose rights are being trampled here as far as making them right to vote, they don't feel, ent feel entitled enough 
to the, to the idea that they should be able to vote. Um, we, we see entitlement when people show up at state capitals with rifles saying, I demand that my government do this and that. They feel like their government should be responsive to them, whether they're in a majority or not. Well, we need more entitlement from other communities as well to say, look, we need better than this. But in order to enforce entitlement, what you need to do, this is why I call it the most powerful thing that we have or one of the most powerful things that we have. If you show up to vote, if you force those changes, then things will happen. Now, if you show up to vote and it's made hard for you to vote, then but it, that's why I say it's a collective action, because one person again, won't make a change there. But if 100,000 people show up, then it makes a huge difference because the people that are in office, the elected officials, know they're accountable to those people. Those people are going to show up and vote them out if they don't do what they want to do. That's how you enforce accountability amongst these people. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It's just what I was thinking was when I lived in Australia, I just remember that they had at the time, um, they would fine people that didn't show up to vote. Interesting. Um, and... You know, it just got me thinking that, you know, the way that our system is, it, it, it doesn't incentivize anyone to really vote. And, um, that's interesting. You know, that's I've a very heard interesting things, point. uh, thrown out there like, you know, we should have a national holiday on an election day just because, yeah. you know, people, a lot of people got to work. Um, the, uh, because then you might, you know, people might not be as inconvenienced to stay in a line for three, four hours if they don't have to worry about working and doing all the other things that one has to do on a regular day or yeah. make it a weekend. Or, you know, I've always thought of this. Why do we have to rush everything in one day with 330 million people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think these in are India, all things, by the way, that other countries do. Like these yeah, are no, like novel I was ideas. Say, I think yeah. in India that voting can last up to a week. Um, they got a billion people, but it's just the idea that you can you could have the voting kind of situation open for a few days, so people don't have to rush, and you know they can they can do this over a few day period, and you know we make sure we count the votes properly, and and the fact with all this technology, I mean somehow I can order stuff on Amazon, um, and you know hit hit something you know the the purchase button on my iPad, and in literally forty eight hours I got all this stuff coming to my door, so. Somehow you we can have register this, your vehicle like that. You yeah, can do you can do a like lot of government this, functions like that. Yeah, all this um, technology, but somehow we don't apply it to something as important as our vote. So um, my my point is this though: we could do all this if we wanted to, and I think that's where it comes down to. Like you make a great point about most of the people who are disenfranchised from voting are the ones who don't feel entitled that they that they should have a vote. Um, the ones who feel entitled usually point the finger about things like voter fraud um, and things like that. And um, I think that, again, it's like if you really go 30,000 feet with it, one could say you got two ways that people look at this stuff. One is some people think everybody should have the equal right to vote and access voting. Um, and so they have, you know, they're one set of people. Um, there's another set of people that that are kind of concerned that if everybody has the right to vote, then they themselves would be disenfranchised. Um, and so, well, I don't I think, think disenfranchised is the right word there. Well, um, in their mind, they, they would have the they, right to vote too, yeah. but they would just be outnumbered. You know, like the, yeah. wouldn't that be an entitlement gone too far? Then basically, because that's a person that feels like they're enti not entitled to vote, but they're entitled to win. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's it's, it, but it's more of a. That's what I mean. It's, it's more psychological. Of a, I understand. Yeah, you're saying personality it's psychological. trait. Yeah. You know, it's the type of person that pulls the bridge up after they cross, and just so that no one else can get across the river. Um, but there's a lot of people like that that don't see, you know, that the fact that I have this right or this ability that it should be extended to others for whatever reason and whoever those others are. And so, because like you said, women couldn't vote until 1920. So if there was a time they were the other when it came to voting. Um, so the, um, the, I think that that is the, the big tug of war, if you look at it from that level. Um, and, and the ones, you know, because someone like me feels like everybody should vote. And if I disagree with certain people, I don't feel that they shouldn't be allowed to vote if I'm allowed to vote. I just think that I should be able to, over time, win them over with some sort of argument or something, or accept the fact that they are different, and I'm okay with that, um, and they have different beliefs, and that's a diverse society of, of, of thought. Um, but that's me. Other people may not feel that way. They may want to shut off people that they don't agree with or like, um, and don't believe that those people have the same ability or, or should have the same ability to vote for power and, and legislation like they do. So I think that's what it comes down to really at the, at the really, if you go 30,000 feet with it is it, because we have certain laws and a culture that says that all people are equal in this country, then you, you know, and you've identified this, I know in many conversations we've had, then to go counter to that means you have to somehow start cutting corners and breaking some rules and making it more difficult for people to vote through things like what we just said. Well, I can't tell this group of people here that they just can't vote or it's not legal for me to stop them from voting easily, right? Like just saying, oh, just because you look this way or, or you live in this part of town that poll you can't tax, vote. Can't do a poll yeah. tax, can't do, you know. Yeah, so, but what I could do is, eh, if you've got 300,000 people in this place, in this area, and they have limited mobility, let's say, and all that stuff. And, 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 you know, we have 180 polling places. Well, if I can cut funding to that and I can cause it to atrophy and where they can only afford to have three open, that means that there's inherently going to be longer lines, means more. And if we make sure that you the polling places... You create Correct. a bottleneck, and so you restrict how much can get through. Yeah, if we restrict mail-in voting, if we restrict the time that the polling places are up to open till, if they close at 6, let's say, instead of midnight. Um, these are all things that, again, on the surface, they seem little individually, but that's where, again, going back to maybe the explanation of systemic, right? The idea that this is in the system. All these things, if you really extrapolate it out, are, are part of a system, and that's where the term systemic comes into play individually some of these things look kind of mundane and, and don't look important but when you put them all in this this kind of election ecosystem we have doesn't appear that healthy and it, yeah. and it appears almost on purpose to be so, kind of it's almost like our healthcare system and the way that uh, the billing works that no one can explain and not even doctors know how they get paid um and it's almost like that's on purpose. Yeah, it allows a bunch of, yeah, yeah, allows a bunch of a, leakage. Yeah, a bunch of stealing and leakage. And, and I think the same thing's happening in our election system. Well, it is. It, it's, it's almost, it's a gamification of it um, in the sense that people want to win. And so, and actually Americans respect that by and large, that people will skirt the lines in order to win um, up to a certain point and then they don't. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a weird thing because like you look at sports are a good analogy here, um, you know, where people do things 
up to the line, you know, baseball questions of sign stealing or in football, you know, New England Patriots have had issues with, you know, whether they're recording people and, and trying to, to, to do things that are purportedly against the rules or not something against the spirit of the rules, but they're just trying to get an edge. And on up to a certain point, Americans respect that. And then after it crosses a certain point, then Americans say that's too much. Well, that what's the question with the voting, you know, because. The voting becomes, yeah, people are trying to restrict the voters who won't vote, who they don't think will vote for them, and facilitate the voters who will vote for them. Like, that's the goal in many cases, not in all cases. Um, and that is, that, that, but that's another example, though, of where our, 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 the, the actors, um, the administrators in our government maybe have too much loyalty to themselves or to their party or whatever, and not enough to the American system. Uh, it's always winning the next battle, winning the moment, as opposed to preserving the system and letting the chips fall where they may. And, you know, to an extent, you understand that, you know, people don't want to let the chips fall where they may. They want to take control and make it happen the way that they want to happen. But at the same time, if we're going to be a democracy, if we're, if we're going to be a, 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 it's a republic with democratically elected officials, you know, meaning the republic means you have representatives. It's not, we don't vote on tax increases directly per se. You know, it's a direct democracy type of thing. Like, hey, you know, it, it, people vote on whether or not the tax rate is going to be 38% or whether it's going to be 44%. Like, we don't do that. We send representatives. That's the republic aspect. The democracy is us voting on those representatives. And so we, we send them over, and then they become an ecosystem in themselves, basically. And, and yeah, this gamification where let's just rig the system so that we have some of these advantage. And we see this to a large degree. Um, I know um, the, the, the Republican Party has been caught with their hand in the cookie jar a bunch here. Um, the, 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 the interesting thing to me here is that, um, the, that we see a accusations of voter fraud, um, we rarely see evidence of voter fraud, but we see a lot of accusations of voter fraud. Like people just throw that out there. Um, we know voter suppression exists. You know, we, we've seen the memos, we've seen the lawsuits that, that, that people, where they've admitted or where they've been caught redheaded with voter suppression. As far as I know, like in 2000, year 2000 in Florida, um, the, the Jeb Bush and, and the, 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 the officials in at the secretary of state, they literally, if your name matched 70% of a name with a felon, they threw you off the voter roll. Um, which is ridiculous. Like, like it's like, okay, just because your name is close to somebody who it was, was a felon, they would throw you off the voter roll. And those type of things, like where there's no even real correlation to, it's not like you're really serving the interest. Like if your name matches, that's one thing, but 70% match, like that's pretty arbitrary. That's just literally just trying to throw people off the voter rolls. Um, and we know that's a strategy uh, that has been taken hold in the Republican Party for however long. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, and, and then also with the only case of voter fraud that we've actually seen proven in the past, in, in recent memory, has been a Republican in North Carolina who did it in 2018, got caught, and you know they had to have a new election. Like, what do you see? Is that just too much gamification? Um, it, is that an overall strategy? Like, what do you see there, Tunday? No, I mean, look, there's a lot to see, but the, that's where the problem is, is that it, it can get complicated and boring. Um, and that's where people get lost and they lose kind of the momentum of the average person to really follow this through over a long period of time in between the elections. Because that's really where the heavy lifting needs to go if you want to fix something like this. It's not 
you know, worrying about it a week before the election and then a week after you're still upset and then two weeks later you're, you're, you forgot about it. Yeah, um, yeah, it really has to be point. a sustained um, level of, of energy. And I think you're right. Um, you said something very important, which is preserving the system. And I think, again, that's where, where I realized that it comes down to either, again, this goes back to, <laughs> you know, something we said on another show that, you know, there's two competing ideologies, equality and supremacy. And now, you know, I I'm, I'm, might sound a little bombastic here on this one, uh, kind of this topic saying that, but... Either you really believe that, you know, you, you live in an equal democracy that, that strives for equality, and equality means the, the sharing of ideas and ideas that don't always, that don't always jive with your ideas. And there's, there's things ebb and flow, and there's times when, you know, my own thoughts and ideas might be popular, um, and there's times when they might not be um, to everyone else, and it's okay. And so, uh, you know, you either have that kind of, I guess, uh, way of being about yourself or you think, you know, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. Meaning, you know, I, <laughs> if it's not, if it's not my way and the way I think, then it's not legitimate. And therefore I need to, um, you know, create roadblocks, impediments or cheat my way around having my quote unquote opponent win. And so, and like you said, I mean, the sports analogy is a good one because, you know, I think everybody, wants to see their team win. And, you know, like I'm a basketball guy, you know, I've seen enough basketball games where there's a questionable call with, you know, 30 seconds left in a game or two minutes left. And, um, you know, sometimes if it's my team on the, on the receiving end of the good, you know, the good receiving end of that call, I can, I can let it go and look the other way. <laughs> sometimes when it happens and it's egregious, I can say, hey, you know, at least we won, but that was messed up. Um, yeah. so, or you find but, another way to justify it, like, oh, well, you guys got a call, you know, that, that benefited you that yeah, was yeah, unfair. Back in, back in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, um, so, yeah, in the first quarter, you guys got that call that could have, you know, made it, made it get to this point. So, but again, those are just sports. Here we've got kind of real stuff. So to your point about the, the um, 2000 election, one of the articles reading and preparing for this is interesting about Florida. It says African-Americans made up 11% of registered voters in the state, but 44% of the purge list, that list you mentioned. Yeah. Um, then it goes down to the Supreme Court's 5-4 decision in stopping the state's recount. An official audit found that as many as 12,000 registered voters had been mislabeled as having felony records, a number 22 times greater than George W. Bush's 537th vote margin of victory. Yeah. And this is where I think... But that's you know, the stuff you're talking about that happens before the... That, that happened before correct. Election Day. Like, yeah, that's way yeah. before. And, and one also, point you mentioned that I think needs to be emphasized, though, like the whole point of freedom of speech... Is to protect from is protect unpopular speech. You don't need protection for popular speech. Like if you're saying, "Hey guys, you know the sun is bright, you know day is bright and night is dark." If you're saying things like that, you don't need protection. Like nobody's going to to, to challenge those things. The protection that you need is for unpopular speech. And the the problem I see oftentimes is with the mindset of that, that you would that you had kind of insinuated, where my way is the only way. Because that is what's the antithetical to freedom of speech or freedom of religion or things where you're saying, well, the way I do things, the way I see things is the only way you're allowed to see it. And you that in that scenario where you won't acknowledge that someone else has the right to believe something different then where you end up with is trying to suppress the voices 
um, or suppress the practices that don't conform to your own belief. And that's where that's how you end freedom. That that's what it is. Like because people need you're saying when you so say freedom, you're not saying freedom to do what I tell you to do or do what I think is okay. You're just saying freedom to do what you do. Uh, within the constraints, obviously, that can't be murdering people or something like that. Um, you know, so when you look at the, you know, like that, that, that kind of mindset, that's what we're up against a lot of times is the, the mindset of everybody, it's my way or burn the whole thing down. And that's what you have to stand up to defend, you know, for this to work. Like, and that's what it, it, the, the people who look to purge voters are trying to say the voices that they don't agree with, we want to silence. We want to end their free. We, we don't want them to be free to express those, those, those views in an election. And so that's what we're fighting against. You know, we're, we're, we're fighting against people who want to deny people, to deny freedom in general, freedom to, to think something that they don't agree with. Um, and that's, it, it really comes down to that. When you look at these voter purges, um, you know, and, and I will say this though, the voter purges in themselves generally seem to have a, a, a bad intent. The idea of a, of a purge of the voter roll, so to speak, objectively was not be something you would say is inherently fraudulent. Like there are instances where there are more registered voters on a roll than there are adults in a in a county or something like that. Well, then, yeah, you need to clean it up. But when you try to clean it up in a way that is biased, that will take out people unnecessarily that will that will be it's sloppy on purpose it's like it's the 70 percent if your name matches 70 percent of a felon we're chopping you off the rolls and it's like well that's completely arbitrary you just made up 70 percent you know and, and it's not like you're more likely to get felons by doing that you're just trying to take off other people who happen to have a similar in a similar name to someone who you at the time, now you can't do that. Like now, the, the the felon thing has been changed as far as whether you can vote or how you can get re-enfranchised and so forth. Um, so it, it's when the tactics, when the method in which the pur the purges occur, are are targeted. They look sloppy, but they're actually targeted in a way that affects people. Uh, oftentimes, whoever's doing the purge, it affects the people who who they don't think would vote for them. And and like I said that. And you can't discuss this without mentioning the fact that this has been a strategy of the Republican Party for the last at least 40 years. Um, and that that's just been their their M.O. Um, you know, it, it, that's what you're up against, though, is the, the 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 person who does not believe that anyone who disagrees with them should be free to express that. And that's what we have to fight against. And there are people fighting, you know, like we see um, LeBron James, you know, anytime you know he, he sticks his name on something, it becomes news. Um, but he him and other uh, prominent black athletes and entertainers have recently started a voting organization to help African-Americans get out to vote and protect their right to vote. Uh, Stacey Abrams started one a couple years ago, Fair Fight. Um, it's been in that they're doing the work in the mean in, in, in between the elections. You know, they're they're fighting or they're filing lawsuits um, to prevent the, the, the indiscriminate voter purges and so so forth. Um, you know, do you think that those type of initiatives can can be effective as far as pushing back against the things we've talked about today? You know, like, do you think. You know, do you think that's a good approach um, or do you think that it's, it's all for nothing or what's your thought on that? Um, no, I think that anytime that you, you know, especially someone like LeBron with, you know, his kind of social profile and, and the fact he's a celebrity and, and, and also a young, young person in general, you know, and he's, he's, I think, what, mid-30s now. 
um, I think it's uh, it's good that they're bringing attention to a topic like this. So um, I commend them for that. Um, it's it's because I think that's the only way to make the change, and that's why there's so much hard work um, to to disenfranchise people from voting. Um, and you make a, a, an interesting point about the Republican Party because. It, it seems that they have made that decision. If you look at the facts around voter fraud and, and any type of kind of criminal, um, uh, if you look at the, you know, the court system and, and those who've been tried criminally and found criminally of, um, of, of, of um, voter fraud um, and malicious voter stuff like that, is, um, it has been the Republican Party over the last couple of decades that, that has won that um, uh, kind of um, trophy in that mantle. So well, yeah, they're the it, ones that get caught with their hand in the cookie jar. They're the ones yeah. like remember the, the the decision in '82 where they were sending people to intimidate people at the yeah, polls. Yeah. You know, like no, and that's of course, the thing is that if if because anyone listening and say, oh, here you go beating up Republicans. I mean, that's the the sad part is you just got to look up the facts and that's they're, they're there. I mean, you can't you know I'm I'm not the type of person to start throwing throwing things around like this without having some, done some research and, and looking up some facts. And so, you know, but that takes us back, if we go back to 30,000 feet, why would they be so, um, you know, want to do this? Uh, and is because they've made a decision as a party that they are going to kind of um, maintain power through the energy of voters, but those voters are energized through the fear of loss and through the desire of, like you said, preserving a system. And what is that fear of loss is the perception to some, um, and I guess enough that the Republicans feel that this is a strategy worth pursuing, um, that they are losing the country from which they once knew. Um, and that, you know, whether Sarah Palin yelling, let's take our country back after she lost with John McCain in 2008, or whether it's um, uh, Donald Trump winning with a slogan in 2016 of Make America Great Again. Um, there seems to be a certain nostalgia that certain white Americans have with going back to an era where at least emotionally or they perceived that they were dominant and um, other non-whites were subordinate. Um, so that seems to be uh, a a fear and a and a kind of feeling that the Republican Party, as kind of the RNC and as an institution, has been able to weaponize in order for them to stay in power. And so those people, those voters, but it seems like they also recognize that that no, those numbers in themselves won't propel them to elections. Like it seems like they made that decision. Uh, and you hear from time to time Republicans talking about broadening the tent. Um, it never really comes. Well, I comes think that's it. that's been the problem in that party. Is is um, you're right. They they tried to broaden the tent since 2008 in a certain way and it didn't work. Well, there's an inherent tension um, that they've kind of put themselves. There's a pickle that they've put themselves in um, because when you cater to certain mentalities, like you said, this nostalgia of an America from the 1950s, or when you cater to um, those who would like to impose a religious order, um, law like a religious law type of mentality, like um, fundamentalism, um, Christian fundamentalism, not not Islamic fundamentalism, like in, in other countries that we say you know aren't free, but they want to put Christian fundamentalism here. Um, those are those those type of mentalities are inherently restrictive, 
And so it's hard to combine those mentalities with other groups who may not fully buy into all that stuff. And so it's, 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 a harder, it's harder to do a live and let live type of conglomeration with mindsets that are very, that are, that, that their, their common bond is their seek to impose their way on other people. Um, one thing I, I wanted to mention, though, with the nostalgia, it, it's it, it's a I think it's an error to to look at that as all race driven uh, or even primarily race driven. There, there is some of it that's race driven, but some of it, the nostalgia piece is actually just something that's in, in our human nature as well. When we're young, we think the world is more simple. We think the world is easier. We think the world is more safe because we look at things as a kid. We look at things as as a juvenile. We have a juvenile outlook. Things are simple. People, you see this in sports a lot. People are like, oh, when I was young, you know, the players just played for the love of the game and yada, 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 and everything was simple. And, and the reason is because you just aren't perceiving all of the conflict, all of the tension, all of the friction because you're a kid. And so what you see on the back end is somebody who's 50 years old will be like, oh, I just wish things were like they were when I was 10 because people, all this stuff didn't exist. It still existed, you know, it, but you just weren't aware of it when you were that age, when you were young. And so as a result, you pine basically for the times of your youth, you pine for the juvenile, your juvenile existence. You know, so it, it, it's something you'll never reach. You're not going to reach that by putting things in place the way they were in the 50s because you're still going to be aware of the friction that exists, you know, like because you're just not a kid anymore. So that's one of those things that it's one of those things that you'll never you'll never win, you know, but people will always end up fighting for or not not all people, but some people who want that, you know, will always end up fighting for. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention on this, and this is why I think it's very important um, what LeBron James is doing. Um, you know, what Stacey Abrams is doing, you know, and other people like that is what we do know. Uh, history tells us is that if you want, you know, dem if you want a democracy, if you want to be able to elect your leadership and have have government of the people, by the people and for the people, you have to fight for it continually. It's not going to just be handed to you, given to you. And you're like pe some people want to consolidate power. And they don't want to be accountable to any uh, anybody else. That's just always going to be the case in any human society. Um, you know, like so the American the American Revolution they had to fight a war, and and we've had to we've had to fight many a times. And we see this when we try to go to other countries, oftentimes, and we try to overthrow a dictator and then tell people, hey, you're free. You guys can now you know do what you want to do. And they they're kind of apathetic about it because it didn't come from them that they wanted it and they were the ones that were willing to fight for it. We can't fight for it for them. When we went to Iraq and we're like, hey, you know, you guys are free now. Saddam's gone. And they, they, and they weren't all like, yes, we got a democracy now. Now we're going to take it and run with it. And when that didn't happen, people in America are like, we don't understand. Well, it's like because they needed to, they need to want it enough that they're willing to lay things on the line for it. So to see prominent people in society seeing or saying, okay, we need to make this a priority. We need to put our resources behind it. It is very important because that's where it has to come from. Um, efforts of suppression uh, are going to be there. We have to, we have to get rid of the fraud. You know, the fraud is, is, uh, is criminal. We got to get rid of that. But the suppression stuff where you use objective, seemingly objective criteria to try to limit things in, in, in certain ways, that's going to happen. And we have to have people pushing back against that. So it's good to see um, that that's happening. And then it beats, um, you know, I know Kaepernick right now is, um, you know, has been vindicated in many ways. But one of the things he said that I thought was very unhelpful previously was talking about not voting. 
you know, and then how he didn't think that was an important thing or he didn't vote or whatever. Um, and, and I think this is a very good um, counter approach. You know, like the, the, the demonstration is important, but the voting is even more important. The demonstration is I'm here, pay attention. The voting is actually the rubber meeting the road on I'm here, pay attention. Because when you are a voting block, you, your attention, your, your, your needs get attention because people know you're going to show up the next time around. So that I think is very important um, that we see these efforts sprouting up more and more and more. Um, and I hope that they continue to become more prevalent because we have to want it. It can't be that somebody is just going to give it to us and then we just have it. We have to want it. Each generation has to want it. You know, it, it has to come from us or else it, it will be whittled away. You know, so did you have any final thoughts that you wanted to, to, to wrap up with today, man? Yeah, no, I was um, looking here and um, it's interesting how right you are about the, uh, the reality of voting. Um, so because they, there's ways that people, again, the system uses to, um, you know, get certain people off of voter rolls. So. For example, we know that uh, blacks uh, in this country and black Americans make up about 13% of the U.S. population, but unfortunately in many states um, they are a much higher percentage of, let's say, the prison or felon population. So I think um, um, I saw a stat that uh, in Florida, 23% of African Americans were ineligible to vote in the state because uh, they had felony records. And so um, in 2018, in that midterm vote, uh, it was on the state's constitutional ballot, uh, or sorry, it was on the state's ballot to amend the state constitution, uh, the question about should felons have the right to vote or not after they've served their time. And so luckily, um, the voters in Florida passed that. Um, and and uh, Not or, luckily, fortunately. Fortunately, fortunately. Yeah. So they, they passed it. Luck. And so what happens is, yeah, now anyone who was uh, convicted of a crime other than um, murder and, uh, you know, uh, basically child molestation um, can uh, have their right to vote uh, reinstated after they've served their time. And so then the state legislature. And that came from uh, the people. Yeah, that, that came yeah, that from the people. That was a ballot initiative. Now, now the state legislature, um, and again, I'm not saying this to get partisan, but it's a shame that, you know, controlled by Republicans, you know, again, try to put up another roadblock by saying, well, the only way that then ex-felons can vote is if they have, like, paid off all of the costs or fines or whatever, I guess, from being incarcerated or, or whatever the legal system uh, has incurred in terms of cost. And so that was seen as a poll tax. And so a federal uh, court actually struck it down. And so it's, it's, again, it just, that's where when we use the term systemic, that's where you're really talking about. The system itself has certain roadblocks. Well, actors in the system use the system yeah. to create roadblocks. And that's really what it is. When you say and, systemic, I think it's important. Let me, let me add this real quick. I think it's important. It's not the system operating in the abstract. It's that people get control of the mechanisms of the system and then use those to effectuate certain outcomes. So when you see a, a legislature try to enact a roadblock for all of these people who were just 
um, by by voter initiative, constitutional amendment allowed to be placed back on the voter roll. And they say, well, hold on. We don't want all these people voting. Let's try to create another roadblock, like out of the blue. Like I just that, that that wasn't part of the constitutional initiative. It was just like, yeah, well, we we can't have this. And so people use the system in order to create that. And and obviously, yeah, that that was um, deemed to be a poll tax and illegal. But if that's not, it's not like people are then going to go home and say, okay, oh well, we tried. Like they're going to try something else. And so that's why you need things like what LeBron is doing, what Stacey Abrams is doing, because the fight will continue as far as, and, and yeah, I agree with you. It's not to pick on Republicans. It's just they're the ones that are doing this right now. If you go back, I think, 60, 70 years, uh, the Democrats were, were wilding out in Chicago as far as like voter stuff. Yeah. Um, but le- the recent times, this has been a Republican phenomenon based in part on the restrictiveness of their their group. You know, like the, the group of, their, their, their coalition is a very restrictive coalition. And so, therefore, they've tried to find other ways um, to, 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 to make those numbers be enough. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, you know, again, the, the power base of any political movement or party is, is based on numbers and based on the voters. So, you know, it's almost like both Republicans and Democrats have taken the path uh, which they find for maintaining, you know, their perch or their, or their dominance in a sense. So... The fact that, I don't know, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. So I don't know which one, let's say, were to have started this or if that's even a way to look at it. But where well, we, we are today. We do know in this like, case, though. We well, do know today. Let me, let me just finish the thought here because what I'm saying is in today's world, right, of 2020, um, however it's morphed over the last few decades has got us to this place where Republicans seem to want and need to restrict access to voting in order to maintain power. Um, because they have a very um, a much smaller um, but more energized, but more, yeah, more uh, energized, more enthusiastic voting, voting base yep. who feels that they are protecting something that they are entitled to, which is the United States. Um, they have an emotional in, in, attachment, to yeah, it. In, in yeah, in a different way than 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 a lot of others uh, feel about it, and um, and then the Democrats are so because of that, the Democrats in in as an kind of opposite of that need everybody else. So they have a much wider net to cast and a lot more differing um, and competing interests where, you know, they have all the racial minority groups, um, a lot of uh, religious groups outside of, let's say, evangelical Christians. So, you know, they have to deal with Catholics and Jews and, and, and Baptists and Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims and the whole thing. So what happens is they can't be as narrow in their kind of micro-targeting as the Republicans. And it and it's interesting because it creates then kind of the stereotypes that we have, right? That that yeah. it's almost like the you know, someone on the Republican side who who who, you know, might be more susceptible to believing that Democrats would support voter fraud because it's almost like they need such a huge swath, you know, like, all right, well, let's just give Everybody, even the illegals who come in, let's let them vote. That seems almost plausible if you aren't a Democrat or you don't kind of believe in allowing everybody the right to vote. Um, even though I would say that, you know, I don't think any Americans uh, would uh, want a non-American citizen to vote. But, um, but you know, it's easier well, see, to believe that. that's the interesting that. thing, though, because yeah. so, somebody, if, if the illegal was voting for them, somebody may. Yeah, I know, yeah, well... <laughs> 
That's the gamification of let me, not, let, me, let me not bring up Russia then. Like, <laughs> make this a two-hour show. But, yeah. but, then, but and then to the, to, the, to the Democratic voter, right, it appears that the Republicans are racist and just want whites and, and only people that think like them voting, which, you know, again, isn't true for, you know, the, the vast majority of Republicans. Well, and when then, we talk about these things, though, we're talking about the party versus the voter. Yeah, correct. correct. The yeah. Republican and, and, voter isn't necessarily And that's what I'm saying. Like, that. I think a lot of Republican voters, um, because this is a complex stuff and all that, they don't really know what's going on in terms of how these, these situations are being manipulated. Let's put it that way. Um, and so, and again, when it comes back to the example I just gave of Florida and the felons, some, you know, sometimes that's why I go to 30,000 feet with a lot of this stuff. Forget about all the machinations at the ground level and the precincts and the polling locations and all that stuff. Just the idea of, do we believe that if you're an American citizen and you committed a crime, let's say you're 25 years old, you served five years, you come out, you're 30 years old, you served your time, do you have a right to participate in the system for the rest of your life or not? I mean, that's the question. And, and I, Well, I disagree today. You know, I disagree. That question has been answered. The constitutional amendment was passed. And so once the constitutional amendment is passed, that debate is over. If you if you don't want that, you shouldn't be putting up uh, barriers for them to vote. You need to try to get that constitutional amendment overturned. And so that question, in, like in, in the legal sense, that's a settled question. The only question is, do you think that once the Constitution says somebody should be able to vote, that a legislature should be putting up additional barriers against them for voting? Well, that's, yeah, that's my point in a sense, which is, you know, in this case, a, the voter spoke and, and the constitution of the state was changed. Um, and so that I'm issue is settled. But, but, but what I'm saying is somebody out there is going to try and manipulate it anyway. And that's kind of my, the point I'm making is if we believe that everybody who is law-abiding, serve their time, so on and so forth, um, has a right to vote, then we should all collectively. It shouldn't be about whether you're a Democrat or Republican. It should just be collectively we protect the right of people to vote and vote easily and in a way that is not in, intrusive, you know, intrusive or prohibitive. And, um, and we should also um, all support a system and technology that allows us to feel confident that the votes are accurate and accurately counted. And so that's, again, that's why I made No, the, it's 100% true. It's like, do, if, like if you think, well, no, like if you think, for example, like let's say, you know, it's, it's the law of this land that women have the right to vote. But if you personally don't think that, you think you women shouldn't be able to vote, even though it's the law of the land, do you think that you should be able to, if you can get elected into office, go rogue and just start trying to erect barriers to women to vote? You know, and say anybody who's had a baby can't vote. And then like do things that would, you know, like seem like, oh, well, you know, it's just because if they had a baby, they need to be home taking care of their babies. Like, whatever kind of nonsense you want to make up. Do you think that somebody should be able to do that if, again, we've already settled the question that women should be able to vote? And so that's the thing is when you're playing on these margins because you lost the debate, you know, you lost the debate. Move on. You know, but again, people won't do that. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, though, I mean, and I, we can close after this, uh, which, you know, I'll, I'll definitely give you a chance to respond, though. But we do know what happened first. Like there is, there's much literature on the strategists from the Republican Party in the '70s and so forth that basically looked at the lay of the land and said, "Look, the party that is most dependent on minority votes is going to be the most vulnerable to the ups and downs of of, of elections." You know, like they're they're going to have the least consistent support. Like they they identified that, which seems like correctly identified that. Um, you know, four or five decades ago. And they were like, so we don't want to be dependent on that. 
Um, and so they set themselves up as the party that was essentially antagonistic to um, the, the to, to, to many issues that were important to minorities. Um, and the strategy, I mean, it's not like they haven't been winning elections. You know, Reagan won a lot of elections. You know, like it's not like the strategy hasn't paid off in, in, in to some to a large degree. Um, the questions that we look at now is whether it will pay off going forward. But the, the reason it's it came up to me today was just that we, we hear them talking about fraud, voter fraud so much, but they're the ones that always get caught for it. And yeah. I, I, I can't, I don't know if it's a projection, you know, like where it's just like, well, because winning is important and I'm willing to cut, cut uh, corners in order to win, I would imagine that you would too. You know, I, I, like it, it seems like that kind of a thing to me. Like, well, of course you would cut. Of course you, of course you would cheat. When you you guys have all these votes in California, of course you would double vote because I would. <laughs> like, so it, it, I, I wonder if it's if that's what's going on or what. But I just don't understand why. And again, like same thing they say with like cheating spouses or always accusing the other spouse of of something. Like, I don't know if it's just something that's on their mind, you know. And so therefore they're accusing the other side. But I just it, it's so weird to me to see. Somebody get accused, like so, them accused. If they're the ones doing this, why are they talking about it? Like they seem like they'd be quiet about it. Like, oh well, you know. They, they yeah, but it's like I think you're right. There's a certain level of projection. I mean, we can get into all that, but it's, yeah, we don't um, have to go down that. But yeah, uh, yeah. If if you, you know, whether it's out of guilt, you need to deflect attention away from yourself, like you said, a cheating spouse by accusing the other of doing the same thing, or. It's not guilt. It's just a tactic, just to kick up the mud and and yeah. So and nobody, allow, so it's yeah. Nobody yeah, can so see the clear. It all looks, yeah. yeah, it all looks shady and but I, it's I the think same thing. The race to the bottom is not where we want to be on our on the track to. Like we we need to figure out a way to get off the track to the race to the bottom and expect more, demand more. We as people, you know. So again, anything we can do to get more, bring more voters to the table because voting again is a collective action. It's not an individual action. It's not something that one person at a time makes the difference. It's something that we, uh, we the people. And you know what's interesting about that is that many, many, many studies have shown that collective decision-making is actually much better than individual decision-making. Not collective, meaning everybody get in a room and talk about it, but just everybody, if you take a poll, a survey of a thousand people, they will be. They will see truth more clearly than one person will. So I, I think, and that's the strength of the voting system is that we're taking a collective temperature, and everybody's combined perception will guide us if everybody participates. If not, we only get the the super crazy or the super motivated or whatever, and the people who may have their own perceptions but just aren't that into it, we don't get them, and so we end up in extreme situations. So, I mean, it, it, ultimately, man, we just got it. Like people got to vote, man. Like that, you got to take responsibility. You got to want it. I mean, and that's, that's whatever we can do to make more people want it and make more people participate. Then, you know, ultimately I think that'll put us in a better place as a country. So, um, we definitely appreciate everybody joining us, um, you know, for this and, uh, you know, hopefully take some from it. Now we put, we'll put show notes on the website with the, some of the articles we've been citing, uh, some of the information we've been citing. So you can, you know, don't take our word for it, you know, look it up, you know, or, you know, look, go on the website and, and, and check it out. Uh, follow us on Twitter, you know, at call it DN, uh, check out disruption now as well. Facebook, uh, slash disruption now. Now I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Ogunlana. All right. Subscribe, rate, review. We'll talk to you soon.